So that book is a classroom like yours, an American classroom where everyone's different. Is everyone different in your class? Yes. Well, everybody's different. Of all the experiences we share on our unique and individual life journeys, there's none quite as unifying as catching big feelings on the first day of school. It's a day filled with promise, new friends, old ones, new teachers, new fits, new shoes. But it can also be a day filled with the weight of realizing you're different. Everyone but you went faraway places, had the best summers ever. Your name, when you say it out loud, gets laughed at by classmates unfamiliar with its sound. At lunch, someone turns up their nose at the rice and kimchi your mom packed, and at recess, you're not wanted on the team. What do you do with those first day feels? How, when you're tossed in a classroom as diverse as our melting pot of a nation, do you deal with your fantastic and sometimes frightening differences? We'll explore these questions today. Let's begin. Hi, I'm Sarah DeBacher, host of Little Voices, Big Ideas, the podcast that begins and ends with stories, specifically children's picture books and the big ideas we can explore through them together, whoever you are, wherever you're from. This season's books take on a really big idea, that of our shared American democracy. When we the people share ancestry with people who were already here, came here, or were brought here against their will, well, you've got a lot of differences on your hands. Today, we delve into those differences with The Day You Begin. Written by Jacqueline Woodson and illustrated by Rafael Lopez, this 2018 picture book features an unnamed narrator speaking in the second person, you, to a range of us's who have felt, at some point, like we don't belong. A tribute of sorts to her great-grandfather, who was the only Black boy in his class, Woodson's book has been lauded for acting as a mirror to the increasing diversity of America and as a window, a call for us all to celebrate that diversity by telling our unique stories. I am joined by three panelists each with their own unique stories. Historian and children's book author, Freddie Evans. Hi, Sarah. Emerging literacy scholar and writer, Kylie Pulfus. Hey, Sarah. And philosopher and author of multiple books on discussing big ideas with little ones through picture books, Tom Wartenberg. Hey, Sarah. Good to be here. We will also be joined today by seven-year-old Fisher and her mother, Caitlin, and six-year-old Silas and his mama, Shana. And we hope you will join us, too, as we go Beyond the Bedtime Story. So I guess I'm just going to go all the way in and say that I wanted to include this book in this podcast for a couple of significant reasons. Number one, I thought it was really important for us to address 
uh, diversity. This is a diverse nation, and I think that we should probably have direct conversations about the challenges and the gifts that that diversity brings. But I also wanted to include this book because I think that Jacqueline Woodson, as an author, is so purposeful about her writing and its purpose in being a launching pad for conversations about difficult subjects. This is something that she has talked about explicitly, that her purpose in writing books is to sort of interrogate the human experience. Why do we do this? What is so hard about this? Uh, What do we do when we're different? So in addition to Jacqueline having a purpose that really felt like it speaks to the purpose of the podcast, right? We're here in the business of talking about big ideas. I felt that it was important that we leaned into the big idea of diversity. Kylie, you talked a little bit about like this requires really careful scaffolding or that that the ideas in this book are really big. So I'll want to hear from you a little bit about some ideas for sure for that. Let's turn to the families. We have Caitlin and her daughter Fisher talking about the big idea of differences. So that book is a classroom like yours, an American classroom where everyone's different. Is everyone different in your class? Yes. Well, everybody's different. What do you mean by that? Because some people are black, some people speak Spanish, and and some people were born in other places. So how are you different from Freya and Luna? I'm black. Well, there's one thing. Now I've got over here. Okay. First of all, shout out to Fisher, because she's like, well, everybody's different. I Duh. love it. <laughs> But you can also hear this sort of tension between this book in the hands of an adult who realizes I needed this book when I was a child and a child who is trying to wrestle with these big ideas and is just in class noticing, well, we're all different and I'm different because I'm black. I'm different because I have curly hair and not really quite able to dig into some of those I don't know if I want to say not able to dig into some of those deeper differences, but not really seeing them. So when you were going to like your new camp or the new place for the first time, you didn't know anybody and you walked in and, you know, do you remember you held on to me and you didn't want me to leave, right? Because you only knew me, right? How did you feel better? Did you talk to people? Well... I felt better in the bus because I went in the bus and I made a new friend in the bus and then I felt better. I hear the effort to help think about this idea of how do you connect when you're meeting people who are unfamiliar to you, which I think is one of the things that the book asks its readers to consider. What do you do when you are faced with something new? What do y'all hear? (laughs) Telling stories, communicating, breaks the ice and uh, builds relationships. Yeah. Yeah. Kylie, I know you said that you had a perhaps unpopular opinion that this book is more for grownups than it is for kids. And there's a way in which this conversation, you can hear that Caitlin is really wanting to use this book to help Fisher contend with her experience. Yes. When I read this book, I was like, oh, I love it so much. But I read this book when I was 40. 
Mm. Right. And it spoke to me and it affirmed me and I loved it and it was lyrical and it was beautiful. But it makes me think of y'all, I'm a career changer for my undergrad and in my master's. I uh, study film, mm-hmm. right? I made content for children. And I remember when I went to the Chicago International Children's Film Festival, which, you know, to my own horn, I won. <laughs> but I was really happy because there were two juries. There was an adult jury and a children's jury because the organizers understood that what spoke to children would not necessarily speak to adults, Mm. right? Like the way that we watch things and appreciate them and what we appreciate them are different. And so I was very happy that I won first place from the children's jury because that's who I made the content for. I made it for children and it spoke to them. None of the children's prizes crossed over with the adult prizes, right? Because we as adults, we still need books like this and still appreciate books like this, but we approach what we read differently. And so when I read this book, I was like, oh, this is an adult jury book. Mm. It's a children's book, but it's an adult jury book, right? And there are other really beautiful children's jury books that approach topics of diversity that I think speak better to young people than this. Doesn't mean you don't read it to them. Because it's beautiful. It just means that you need to scaffold it more and sort of bridge it a little bit better so that they can access it. With that in mind, I kind of want us to think about, you know, our objective of getting this book into the hands of families. And specifically, when you have a book that maybe you're connecting with, and and so in that way, it feels like a gift that you want to share. You know, it feels like, I want to read this book with you, not to you, but or at you, but with you. What are some other ways that we can help families get this book into the hands of their kids, if it is, in fact, more for them than it is the kid? And I think that you will note in our next set of um, family recordings uh, that the mother, Shana, who has just read this book with her son, Silas, is noticing that Silas is dealing with these big ideas in a very different way. Let's listen. Silas, diversity. If you had a bucket of markers, would you want them to be all the same color or different colors? All the same. All the same? Are you being serious? Yeah. Yeah? Okay. Why are you being serious? Because I always want to. Because you always want to? Do you like your pictures to be colorful or all one color? Because I just saw you do a rainbow picture and I don't think you could have done that if you had all the same color. Could you draw a rainbow with just one color? Let's see if I can do that. See see if you can make a rainbow with just green. I think you could hear in that clip of Shana and Silas just how much it was that Silas was fidgeting, I think partly because he was being asked really big abstract questions. But what's interesting is what he was doing during this you know, invitation from his mother to engage in a conversation about a big idea. He was doodling. He was drawing. And I wanted us to think about, you know, number one, what are some of the ways that some of the questions or some of the ideas that we can offer up to grown-ups who are listening that might help them open up this book as an invitation. But number two, what are some other ways 
of engaging this big idea of diversity when maybe you've got a kid on your hands who doesn't really feel like talking? I thought of two things. One is one of the really nice things about the book is that it lists, it goes through a whole bunch of different ways that a child can see themselves as different from others. And that struck me as pretty universal. That mm -hmm. is, you might, you know, skin color might not be a way you see yourself as different uh, for a variety of different reasons, but it might be what you eat. It might be where your parents come from. I mean, none of you probably know that my, I'm a first generation American, for example. Um, so that my parents were both refugees from Nazi Germany and that conditioned my experience. But no one, you know, when I grew up, nobody noticed that because I was white and I didn't speak with an accent, although my parents did. One of the things I think that a parent could do was get a kid to think about how they perceive themselves as different from other kids. Are, are there ways that they do? Um, do they see other kids in their classes somewhat different from them? You can go into the book and use those little episodes or that you don't get chosen for sports, I think is another one mm -hmm. which resonated with me. So I think that there are ways you can look in the book to find little keys to ask kids. Is, is that something that you've experienced? Have mm -hmm. you found every class has got to have kids who aren't chosen because they're not good at a sport? Mm -hmm. I can't imagine that it's like that. And there are a variety of reasons why that might be true. Mm -hmm. You know, so I think you can use the book's narrative as a way of trying to get a child to start connecting without using the words of identity and difference to those mm. issues, right? Did you ever feel left out when they were choosing a sports team? What about some of your friends? Is there somebody who never gets chosen? How do you think that makes them feel? You know, um, so I, th I think that's that, that seemed to me one of the strengths of the book and that would make it, uh, that a parent could use without sort of asking, are we all alike? Are we all different? You know, that's too abstract. Right, right. I totally agree with, with what Tom is saying. As a matter of fact, that was one of my uh, comments that I wrote is that although the main theme is diversity, there are so many sub themes like bullying. We see that clearly in this book. We see ostracizing how one kid is left out. Oh, you, you can play next time. Mm -hmm. We don't want you on this team. It does have a lot to do with diverse or different backgrounds, ethnic backgrounds and, and other socioeconomic backgrounds. But you will see it in populations that are homogeneous as well. Because this is just what happens at school, mm. you know, even in, you know, 90 percent, 99 percent schools with the same racial population. So there are so many opportunities just to talk to children about everyday life mm. that come from this book mm -hmm. and not just being different from those people who are in your classroom. Mm -hmm. Well, that's a good piece of advice to give parents in general, which is that if they're trying to discuss these books, they don't have to come up with the big ideas and, and, you know, start trying to get the kids to talk about them. They should go to the story and find a, a sort of a hook that they think their kid might relate to and start using that as a way to talk to them about the themes. You can get to the big ideas that way uh, in a way that'll make it a lot easier for a child to talk about them. I mean, that's what we always <laughs> I always do in my practice start with the sort of more concrete things in the story and have in the back of your mind that you'd like to be able to get to a more general question. But if you start with a general question, you're going to go nowhere. I mean, mm -hmm. especially when you do like with my, the books that I use and we want to ask, you know, like, is there such a thing as free will? You know, try asking that to a six-year-old, <laughs> right? But you can get at it by asking by the story. 
right. and ask, why do you think the person did that? You know, did they choose it? What do you think about your colorful rainbow? It looks beautiful. It does look beautiful. And what do you think about your red rainbow? Just all red. Just all red. And that's okay. We do have a lot of similarities. Like a, a lot of us just want kindness and, you know, to be accepted. We all have that in our hearts. And maybe that's our red rainbow. But I see you're adding green. So you need a little bit of diversity in that marker bucket, don't you? I think this has come up a couple of times this season. If we are going to be didactic about one thing when we're talking about these big ideas associated with what it means to be living in a shared American democracy, let it be tolerance for diversity. I think we should really give a shout out to Shana for using Silas's drawings as a way back into the topic. Mm. So if Silas was being a little recalcitrant and was drawing rather than talking to her, she did something great. She said, let's use the drawings as a way of talking about difference and the importance of difference. And that's wonderful. You know, I think we should appreciate that. It was also a way of sharing his story. And as a writer, of course, I value the written word and the verbal storytelling or the oral storytelling, but also the visual you know, in the dance and the, and the other art forms. So I just invite that possibility to parents and to teachers, to educators, to allow students to tell in different ways. I am Red Rainbow and Roy G. Biv grateful to Caitlin and Fisher and Shana and Silas and to Tom, Freddie and Kylie for opening your hearts, minds and marker boxes to us. If you, dear listener, would like to see pictures of the families or of Silas's rainbow, or if you'd like to check out other episodes of Little Voices, Big Ideas, please visit primetimefamily.org. Primetime Family Reading is an initiative of the Louisiana Endowment for the Humanities. Primetime's podcast, Little Voices, Big Ideas, is made possible by the generous support of the Community Foundation of Northwest Louisiana, the W.K. Kellogg Foundation, and the National Endowment for the Humanities. Theme music was composed by Sam Gelbiand. George Ingmeyer is our producer. I'm Sarah DeBacher. The views expressed in this episode are those of the speakers and do not necessarily reflect the opinions or policies of our funders or the endowment board or staff. The end. Tell me again how the people tell their stories and who did what and where and when, uh-huh, mm. Tell me again The one from start to finish And tell me where do I fit in, uh-huh, mm-hmm Oh, I see Yes, I get it now Everybody's got something to say to each other Everybody's got something to say To each other